0: how to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, grapes, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now, let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Get subscribed in your podcast app so that simply by listening you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember this podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice for advice for your specific relationship seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling or couples therapy Welcome back to Relationships Like the Podcast. Today, I have a guest whose book I read over the summer, and I thought it was just so helpful for me personally, professionally, and I thought this is someone I need to have on my show. So welcome, Kara yeah. Hoppe. Hold on. How do I say it? I felt like I said it wrong now that I asked you. Say your last name for me again. Hoppe. Hoppe. I was close. Kara okay. Hoppe. Yeah. So she is a psychotherapist, teacher, feminist, and mother. She has spent more than a decade as an inclusive therapist, working with individuals and couples towards healing and growing and becoming grounded, integrated people with better access to their own instincts, wisdom, and creativity. She also offers virtual retreats for parents and expectant couples based on her book, Baby Bomb, a relationship survival guide for new parents. She has been featured in a number of publications, everything from Fatherly to Your Tango and other places, she sees clients via telehealth. So if you're interested, we can find her and we'll ask her later where you can find her if you're just interested in working with her, or hearing more from her. So thank you for writing the book you wrote. Thank you for being on the show today. So stoked to have you. I can't wait to hear mm-hmm. what you have to say.
1: Mm-hmm. Thanks for the warm welcome, Amber. It's, I'm so happy to be here with you. Yeah, my pleasure.
0: Thanks for being here. So I guess before we dive into things, transition to parenting attachment and relationships what prompted you to want to write baby bomb
1: um it's so funny because now i can like really reflect on it um it's been out in the world for over a year so that means i finished writing it over two years ago and yes because i finished it during the beginning of the pandemic um August, 2020 turn it in. Um, so I have like a different perspective on why I wrote it. It definitely was something I needed personally in my own marriage. Um, I think I wrote it to learn, uh, there's a, a great way to learn things is to teach or write about them. So I do both, um, cause I'm always trying to be a better parent and partner. Um, to my children and my husband so I wrote it because I needed it
0: oh that's so relatable and thanks for sharing that like I certainly know a lot of the work that I put out into the world has certainly come out because those are the lessons that I needed the most so I Mm, isn't it funny yeah
1: yeah like at the time I mean when Stan and I were collaborating on it it was like I just was like the world needs this. Like, we should write this book. We should take your approach, which is Stan Tackin's approach to couple therapy, is a psycho biological approach to couple therapy. I was like, we should take that approach, um, which is attachment theory, neuroscience, and arousal regulation, and make it applicable to partners that are becoming parents. And I was like, oh, this is just such a great idea. And then now. Like I said, two years later, I was like, I really wrote it because I needed to apply that approach to my partnership because it was, it's such a, it's such a transformation um, Is for individuals become different people. When you become parents, yeah. like all your priorities change, your values change, your resources change. And then of course, like your partnership, if you are partnered goes through quite a transformation as well and it's like I like to think of it though is also like this opportunity to level up your partnership like you can really use it to um, deepen intimacy and connection and bring more authenticity to it but of course that requires
0: some work yeah absolutely it certainly does So she was just talking about Stan Tatkin. And if you are interested in learning more about Stan and his approach, he was also on relationships like the podcast. It's episode 79, Attachment Styles and Building a Happy Relationship with Stan Tatkin. It's from earlier last year. So you can check that out. We'll link that show in the show notes if you want to hear more about who she was just referring to as well. So you're like, let's level up. Let's partner with Stan. Mm -hmm. And now this book's (laughs) been out in the world. And you were mentioning that Mm -hmm. you've just given birth five months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a
1: daughter. You had a daughter.
0: Okay. And what do you think has been a shift or a change that you might have adapted about the book or thought about the book differently had it been written after baby number two?
1: Um, A lot of the the guiding principles would be the same. Um, The book is based on 10 guiding principles that are very much in alignment with PACT and the idea that of secure functioning and that's like you and your partner offering each other a sense of safety and security and trust and from that space being more innovative and creative and bringing that to all different areas of your life so that would be I mean that is definitely applicable with round two the the difference though is like baby bomb is like a survival guide for new parents I don't know if you need a survival guide for baby two. Hmm. Um, it's like maybe baby two is like kind of expanding into thriving. Oh. Um, right? Cause you, it's like, well, baby one, you're like, what is this?
0: <laughs> what is parenthood? Who's I had my friend why? recently come over with his firstborn and say, Oh my god, it doesn't come with a manual. Can I give it back? I don't actually mean that, but I don't know what to do. Right, that's very
1: very common and so human and I can relate to it personally. You know, yeah. I didn't know anything about swaddling, burping, like breastfeeding, all the all the things about keeping your baby alive. You, you know and soothing and the 90 minute wake cycle and like all of this stuff baby number one it's like you you're learning it and the learning curve is non-existent and so it is very much like um surviving and like and um and they think and that's okay because that's like what's necessitated at that point because there is like so much incoming so much change to integrate but baby number 2 in my experience is um I know about the 90 minute wake cycle. I am like when when I was holding my daughter for the first time it wasn't the first time I held a brand new baby. I knew how to support her head. I knew I um I knew immediately how to breastfeed. I also knew the commitment that breastfeeding is. So I wasn't overwhelmed by it because I went in knowing I'm going to be doing this for about five or six weeks nonstop. And that is what I'm going to be doing the first five or six weeks of her life. And then, you know, and then it it changes a little bit. But I mean, it's really, really just like nursing, 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 maybe the first two months. But like when we had our son, Jude, I didn't realize that those two months would end. Mm -hmm. I was like, so this is motherhood? Like, (laughs) yeah. So, so with baby number two, I think the the addition of baby, you know, where I would, we could take, Stan and I could take baby bomb is to talk about that expansion, about kind of relaxing into the experience because you have the perspective that it's all just a bunch of phases.
0: Right. And the heart, some the hard probably has like a beginning, middle and end, or is it when you're in, when you're in that phase at the time, the first time you're like, does it have an end? is this, exactly. this going to be my life forever? And it's a hard transition. Absolutely. Okay. So Absolutely. I, I, I love what you kind of said here that the first one was more about surviving, like, Oh my gosh, change, change, change first time for everything, learning curve, you're just doing everything new. And second time is more has been about thriving. So, you know, you have a sense of what's to come. And now there's like a mental mindset for that. And you're figuring out not just how to get through the day, but how to maybe enjoy your days or have your days feel more, Better in some way. How would how would you say what is what would thriving be?
1: Well, I guess it's like there's so much more confidence in being a parent.
0: Yeah, and
1: that confidence makes space for thriving. I mean, I don't know anybody. I can't. I'd have to think about it, but nobody comes to mind that I know who came into parenthood with a confidence.
0: Right.
1: You know, like they're um, or a confidence all of the time, you know, maybe it's like some moments. it's like, of course, there's confidence and stuff, but you're still figuring out what's my parenting style, right? You know, like, um, how do I want to do this? And then negotiate, negotiating that with your partner, which are like, you know, pressure points of like taking, you know, however, one partner, their first family, and however they did things and their second partner, however, they did things and then create co creating something, that, that's theirs you know baby bomb really speaks to that helping partners do that co-creation with yeah. shared power and listening to each other and making decisions has all these tools for it mm-hmm. I, I don't know I can only speak from my own experience by the time we had Dion our daughter we already knew our parenting styles and had done all that foundational work so it just okay. really allowed for a very different experience with her you know um where we could use shorthand, like now it's time for this stage where that decision was made with our son, you know? Yeah. Firstborns like really get it. They really do. They're such like, they're the initiators of partners <laughs> into parenthood, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, they are. They're going first. Okay. They're so going first. <laughs> you've made lots of changes, baby one, baby two. You're walking us through some things that people might experience or might not. If, uh, they were maybe on a similar journey. So after that first baby bomb, couples have their first baby, that first initiator, what are some common challenges that either you experienced and/or couples that you work with report when they transition from being a couple unit to parents?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um there's so many that are somewhat universal that I've seen in my practice and then in the in the workshops and retreats that I've taught. Um and then, like, personally, um, I could speak to them as well. But I think becoming a parent is an incredibly vulnerable thing. There's a lot of hopes and fears and wishes, like, wrapped up in that. You know, partners want an opportunity to do something differently, better than their parents. And I think that's very evolutionary. Um, Or they have, like, and and it could be and or both um they have really fond memories of their parents that they want to bring in and like things that their parents did that meant so much to them that they want to replicate so there's a lot of emotional stuff going into becoming parents and the um i think partners struggle in that vulnerability about um, the tenderness of being like, I want this, and I'm going to listen to how that my other part, my partner wants it too. Um, that's challenging for people because it is like can be really charged. This is the way you parent. This is the way you partner. It's not it, be, it. They forget that they're a team and they're collaborative because of that charge. So that's like one big area I think that partners struggle in. Um, another one I want to say is about having needs. Um, it's really important that parents take care of themselves, but a lot of parents don't know how to do that and have to rediscover that in new parenthood. Like, what are my needs? What do I need to, to survive, to thrive? Who am I? What am I still interested in? Um, and how can I collaborate with my partner and get those needs met? And how can I ask for help? A lot of people, and I'm sure you know this from your practice too, Amber, a lot of people struggle to ask for help and new parents need a lot of help. So if that's like an issue for people, partners before they become parents um, asking for help, it can be really problematic in new parenthood.
0: Yeah, I certainly see that a lot, especially many of my clients are very independent, self-sufficient and suddenly for the first time in their lives, after they have their first child, they're not able to do it all and it is incredibly honorable totally. to have to one figure out like what is the need and two how do i articulate for someone else to help me with it when they're they kind of know kind of that they have needs prior to that but they're so used to kind of recognizing it and just figuring it out themselves <laughs> that maybe they're not even aware that there is a need there until that need is not met and they feel like they can't right. like, having to rely on someone else um is just can be so hard and so jarring to mm-hmm. put yourself out there to say like, I need this from you. And then the fear right. of it not being, re- not being responded too well. And then even worse, if they build up the courage and they ask and it isn't responded too well, it really makes it hard to reach out again. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we have two things that you talked about that, you know, you come into this world with your own kind of beliefs and values from, from how you were parented things that either you want to stay away from, or you want to replicate and then having needs and Mm -hmm. mentioned the first one can be quite charged. I guess how if someone's kind of like, gee, needs, having needs, that's okay. But here's the thing, (laughs) how can someone begin to be in touch with what kind of needs they might have and and how to maybe request some help or what some steps would look like for putting those needs out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, right, because there's like there's basic needs like taking a shower and eating and right. getting water which seems i mean they are basic but in early parenthood especially for birthing people they're um they can't be taken for granted because the act especially if you're a breastfeeding part- person or chest feeding person you are um doing that nearly non-stop and so um I remember when we had her first, I was just like, I can't believe I have to have a committee meeting to take a shower, to go to the bathroom, just like I have to ask for help with, uh, that was our son, but I just went through it with our daughter, um, and it was so much more comfortable asking for help. Um, because we leveled up our marriage. And I felt like a lot um, closer with Charlie and also knew what I was getting into. But that's an area where people struggle is um, asking for those basic needs. And if they don't ask for them, um, resentment can accrue. Um, Our minds can tell us a bunch of stories about the other person and maybe like their neglect when when partners aren't asking for what they need. So those are like basic needs, like showering, food, water, and stuff that necessitate conversations and teamwork to have those needs met, let alone having like higher level needs, like um, social, having fun with friends again, having some creativity, getting exercise, leaving the house, having like alone time. All of that has to be um, collaborated. To get that met for both people right so and baby bomb we have an exercise we have a whole chapter on needs i think we could write a whole book about needs because they're so um, important and people have such complicated relationships with them um but in the book we have an exercise about doing a journaling exercise to get it back in touch with your needs if you've lost touch with your needs for birthing people or non-birthing people And then um, how to to team up with your partner and make situations where both of you are walking away. Everybody's getting their needs met, the baby and the partners. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. Good enough for that day, knowing that it's like a work in progress, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so there's an exercise. So we'll put the link to the book um, in the show notes so that people are like, I need this exercise. They know where they can go and look. So it sounds like, and you're also saying here good enough, which is different than yeah. like perfectly having your needs met. How would you define like good enough needs being met? What, what, what does that look like? Um,
1: I, for me personally, I know good enough when I can feel it in my body. Okay. When I feel like relaxed in my body, I feel like optimistic in my body. I'm not walking away from it with a heaviness or a knot in my stomach or a feeling like, I don't like the way that this went down. Um, And that's what I'm looking for as a clinician with partners where I'm helping them negotiate that. I'm I'm making sure that both partners are checking in with their own bodies and themselves about like how they feel about this. And yes, is this good enough for today Mm. or this week? And then, I mean, we have to help people be flexible because it's going to your baby's going to change next week and you have to be changing next week. And so things, you know, so that's why that's why it was so important for us to talk about attachment in Baby Bomb was because the more couples can help each other offer up that sense of safety and security to each other the more trust there is. And then with more trust, there's a lot of flexibility there. There's a lot of room. Um, you know, it can be like this works for today. And like, and I feel safe enough to re bring this to the table if it's not going to work for me tomorrow. Um that's why we want to help people have that sense of safety and security in their partnerships.
0: Right. Yeah. Well that makes sense because like you said, babies changing you might come up with some solution that works today, but baby's gonna go to sleep for a couple hours and be different shortly after. And then their needs and your needs and everybody's needs are gonna be different. And it there needs to be some sort of safe way to renegotiate and re-bring up. I know I needed this yesterday, but today I need this. And that, that's really hard to have to ask for needs that are changing that often. It can be a challenge.
1: It can be a challenge and it's such an opportunity to have like a healing experience. If you had like in your first family, a difficult time, like needs weren't, um, especially like emotional needs weren't tended to. I see that a lot in my clinical work. Um, I mean, becoming a parent is this like, just like gorgeous opportunity to cycle break, to Mm -hmm. be like our family. You know, our families didn't you know did talk about feelings and needs were taboo and everyone was encouraged to go it alone. And two partners can team up and be like, we both want to break those cycles. We want to offer ourselves and our child and our children a different home where needs, yeah, we recognize we are all dependent creatures. We were born from the grace and the strength of somebody else helping us out and having that interdependency never ends. And so there can be discomfort in asking for the needs, but there is like in those families where they are reinvest or investing in changing it, um, it can become like easier. I guess it's like a muscle. You can build a muscle where it's easier to ask for needs. And then think about how cool it is. They're modeling that for your kids. Super cool you know? Yeah. Like mom and dad have needs, they're people, you know, I'm going to go into the world knowing it's okay for me to advocate for my needs, yes.
0: you know? I love that you talked about this as an opportunity to break generational patterns. And it is, mm-hmm. that's, that's a really unique, I mean, not unique, it's just a great and empowering way to look at something, whether it's easy or hard for you to just know that like, you can break this and you can, this can change an entire cycle.
1: Yeah. I love that part of like doing it myself and then helping people with that, helping them heal those wounds. So they not passing them on yeah. unconsciously to their kids and, you know, and offering them and, you know, partners each other that same, that sense of peace.
0: Of course. So you talked about safety and security and the more that that's there, the more flexible we can be. And you led into that saying, that's why we talked about attachment. So can you talk a little bit about attachment, maybe give a high level summary on what you mean by that for our listeners that this is a new term?
1: Yeah, um, well, attachment theory has been around, um, it started with John Bowlby and then Mary Ainsworth. And it's and it's actually really relevant to baby bomb and to parenting because it is about primary attachment figures, which are usually mothers and their babies. And that relationship that mothers and their babies form imprints us actually imprints our nervous systems and we carry the themes the imprint of that into all of our relationships we see it show up in work um we see it certainly show up big time in our primary in our partnerships like an adult attachment um and then we offer it to our children um and There's, th- there's four different kinds of attachment styles. We talk about three in baby bomb. We talk about secure attachment and insecure attachment and insecure attachment breaks down into anxious ambivalent or avoidant. Um, Stan talks about it in a lot of his work as anchor is secure, um, anxious ambivalent is a wave and avoidant is an island. And we introduce a new way of thinking about it with colors in baby bomb to Somehow show so helpful right cuz it changes i mean the research says your attachment style changes over the course of your life the safer you feel the more secure you're going like the more secure you're going to be acting from right. the less safe you feel the more insecure you're going to be acting from and so what we really wanted to do with baby bomb was to help partners offer each other no matter what your attachment style is to offer each other secure functioning relationships and then from partners learning how to do that with each other then they're able to offer secure attachment to their children Mm -hmm. um is that enough of an explanation i never know
0: can you break it down into the colors so how the colors are for each attachment and how that attachment style and like i think you guys made like a color circle yeah we have
1: the attachment continuum um and it was like based on the primary colors. so secure was yellow um anxious ambivalent is red and then avoidant is blue and then we had green orange and purple on the continuum to show how you can move um so maybe you're in between anxious ambivalent and secure or um, around there, different interactions can move you around on the attachment continuum. Early parenting, because it is so physically grueling and demanding, can push you uh, like out of the secure place Mm -hmm. um, a lot easier because you don't have the resources um, that, that, you know, that that security provides you with.
0: Okay. So it sounds like what you're also saying as well is a a question. If I do like an ask me anything on Instagram, people often ask questions around like, if I have one attachment style, does that mean I'm that way forever? So I feel like you kind of answered that, but yeah. (laughs) Can you elaborate on your answer there?
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing, um, I mean, the research shows attachment style is something that changes over the course of a lifetime. Mm. Um, it's, can intentionally change like the work that you and I do with people is intentionally trying to help them change their attachment style if they have an insecure attachment style. Right. So the more that partners are attuned to each other's feelings, playing with each other, delighting in each other, helping each other get their needs met All of that is going to, even if you were offered an insecure attachment, like offered an avoidant, more like an avoidant attachment style is um, an expectation you would be self-sufficient. If that's your attachment style that you were offered by your parents or your primary caregiver and you meet with a partner and then you're learning, it's safe to not do it alone it's safe to ask for help my my needs are important to somebody somebody does delight in helping me out like there's a felt feeling also i just think attachment feeling theory is so important about it's not just showing up it's like that you can say someone you you can say to someone i love you but to have them feel it that's secure attachment that felt sense i am important i am valuable I am. I belong here. People want me here. That felt sent to secure attachment. Anyway, people can offer that to each other, and that can move you into a sense of secure attachment. And then you're cycle breaking, offering that to your kids. Your yeah. kid.
0: Super powerful, and I I think that's so important to know your attachment style can change. So I tell people, and I also share with people, like my experience is I would have an anxious attachment. I'm I was perpetually afraid people were going to leave me and then because Mm. I was so afraid of that I would engage in protest behaviors ways to try to reconnect that connection but instead I was like really throwing a grenade on that connection a lot of time because my protest behaviors were things like threatening to leave because I wanted Mm -hmm. to be told I was wanted but in doing that it made my partner afraid that I was out and what I have what has happened in my life over the years is now when I read the lurcher or I'm so fortunate that I'm in a position where I get to help someone I recognize where they're at I'm able to see how different I am now and what my partner and I have achieved because I haven't thrown out a protest behavior like that in many years and I feel that safe safety and security but I was I was someone personally who had to work at it 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 wasn't something that was Mm -hmm. natural in my life so I just want to shout out to all of you who are like oh probably don't relate to that safety and security I get you I didn't relate to it. It wasn't my relationship experience and with some work mm-hmm. and willing to risk and finding a partner who was willing to do some work with me that can absolutely shift, but it's, mm-hmm. it can, it can be a bit of work. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So that's when- so beautiful. Thank I love you. that you just shared that. I have a really similar, I was offered um, anxious, ambivalent too.
0: Were you?
1: And yeah. I was, and it's changed so much over the course of my lifetime.
0: Yeah,
1: and I feel very confident that I'm able to offer my kids a secure attachment because of the change and the healing, and um, and the repair yeah. that's happened in my in my partnership, but also in my community. You know, um, so much support to changing my attachment style.
0: Yeah, and I like that, like community as well. All the people I'm been so fortunate. And intentional about surrounding myself with it makes it easier mm-hmm. to trust that people are going to be there so mm-hmm. I think, thank you for sharing that too mm-hmm. so we talk about secure functioning mm-hmm. like, what does that mean
1: yeah so secure functioning is this um gorgeous concept that anyone can learn how to do it's like it's a skill it's learning skills um, it's learning how to show up for yourself and how to show up for your partner. And by doing so, um, offering yourself and them a like the, the safety and security, like we keep saying, but a relationship that is shared power, um, equal co-creating the relationship. Both people's needs are just as valuable and just as important. Both people's desires are just as valuable and just as important. It's there's reciprocity. um, There's mutual investment. There's sensitivity. There's mutual respect. And, um, and there's just, it's not like about like, I feel this way. It's, I don't know how to put this. Like, it's not like I don't feel like showing up to you or I feel like I show up to you. It's like, it's this almost like this higher this higher level need of knowing it's better for me if I show up for you in the ways that I said I was going to because then reciprocity, you're going to be able to show up for me. So this is secure functioning where two adults agree to offer each other this.
0: I love that. So the way that you just put that there. So when I adhere to my agreements and you adhere to your agreements that we both have agreed to. We're going to be better off together. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, Yes. And I think also like it's obviously it's hard for people that were offered an insecure attachment to to trust that like their needs are going to be met because there's like there's relational trauma there. But there's like also, even for, I don't know, my experience clinic professionally has been even for people with secure attachment, there's a developmental leap to going to, it's not like if I'm part of a we. I'm better off when I'm taking care of both of us. Right. I think that that's like just a level of maturity that has to be like, is a practice. It's, it's not like a place of, of arrival. So I don't think. I mean, I don't think that this is just for people with insecure attachments struggle. People with secure attachments also struggle to build this skill set and learn what it means to show up and put that into practice.
0: Yeah, totally. It's not a one and done. Yeah, it's not a one and done. So how come you think secure functioning is beneficial to think about when thinking about parenting?
1: Well, I mean, I the goal of parenting, I would think, would be to offer your child secure attachment because it's like their best bets for success in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna be able to um since they have that sense of love and belonging, safety and security nailed down, they're not trying to focus on getting it met or in protest behavior or any of that. Their resources are spent being creative, being innovative, having fun. You know, um, that that's like, you know, most parents, if they know about attachment theory, and even if they don't, it's like what intuitively you want to offer your kid.
0: Right.
1: Um, secure functioning is available to everybody, no matter what your style is. And then from that place, you can offer secure attachment to your kid. Right. So, so That's yeah. how it plays into parenting. Yeah.
0: Okay. That makes sense. So with parents when they have this new one and they're busy trying to survive, get through the day, they're like I want to offer my child secure functioning, but I'm, you know, maybe in early that early parenting they're noticing conflict so they're noticing they're having a hard time seeing eye to eye supporting each other. What are some ways that couples can manage the escalation of conflict especially in the early days of just trying to survive being new parents?
1: Yeah, that's a great question cuz resources are scarce. Yeah. Um yeah, babies are really demanding. You know, they and they need they need so much care. We're so, so needy and vulnerable when we are brought into this world. It's um it's moving to me really, actually, like how we come into this world like so needy and 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 we're cared for or not but anyway that's like a whole other thing so what can parents do when they have this needy person around all the time connecting with each other as new parents is not going to be this um, grand occasion it's not going to be like this hour-long t- like time to talk and catch up i mean there's there just isn't the time for it so what you can do is it face to face, eye to eye, at least at the beginning and the evening of your day and look at each other and name something you're grateful for. Name something, get specific about something your partner did that you thought was incredible and tell them and look at them in their face as you're telling them. I mean, this takes like 30 seconds, but the dividends that you collect from that behavior feeds you through that whole like experience of early parenthood. It's like in the Gottman's it's the bids, you know, you're, you're receiving the bids and you're connecting the bids and you're meeting each other with the energy that is available, which isn't very much, but it luckily doesn't take very much to have that quality connection. You just have to pause and be with each other and be intentional about it. And then also like receive it. Yeah. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, I am doing this, you know? Um, I think that that's like one of the greatest things is the face-to-face, eye-to-eye. When you're face-to-face, eye-to-eye, you come to the present moment. You're not in your head. You're not dissociated. You're not worrying. You're here. You're with this person. And you're living through this incredible, life-changing, beautiful, and difficult experience together. It's like this one moment where you guys can like, ball up together and be together and then get back into it you know I also think I mean I don't have any idea what it's like to be a baby or a kid watch my parents do that but um because that was not my parents doing that for each other but I I've noticed with my son Jude and I mean he's five now I can see how he benefits from watching Charlie my husband and I take care of each other Mm -hmm. like he thinks it's cool I, you know, cause he tells us now, like he's been around it for five years. He's like, you know, um, it's so great how you love mama the way that you do, you know, it means a lot to him. It's really sweet seeing that.
0: That would be so sweet. I mean, right. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining being, I was imagining being your son in this experience. And I was imagining <laughs> seeing parents doing that and being like, thinking that little me would want to go up and be like, can I share something I'm grateful for too? Like I was a real in there. And I can only imagine like little kid version of me would have been like, I want to do it too. Like that looks fun. So I can We imagine. do do that. Yeah. She Aww. does
1: jump in. And then Aww. we like, we'll do, a, we'll do a Jude sandwich or a daddy sandwich or a mama sandwich. It starts with the Charlie and I like looking at each other and just expressing like something um, that's like, yeah, something that I love about Charlie and delight in about him. And then like, yeah, the energy Jude can feel it. And he like, even if he's watching a show and he's so into it, he's like,
0: Oh, he's like positive, (laughs) loving feeling between my parents. I'm so into it. Yeah. It was not my experience either, but I can imagine like, it doesn't take much for me to slip into imagining being that little kid and how powerful that would be to see your parents offering something like that. That's, so my little heart is like, sign me up for it. Sign me up. I want that. Oh, that's so sweet. And I loved what you talked about, like beginning of day, ending of day, like before you kind of go out in the world and then, or like in those transition moments Um, for, for couples, a lot of times we talk about departures and reunions. Like, can you, can there be yeah. some sort of ritual of connection in those moments? And it's just little ways to think about putting money in your relationship bank account because little things over the course of the day, delete, uh, uh, deplete, not delete, but also delete the money from your bank account. And we just need little bits of deposit sometimes to keep us to keep us going, and that's hard.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's not. I mean, the research says it's not these grand gestures that builds trust. It's all these little things, like recognizing, "Hey, thanks so much for restocking diapers." Yeah, you know, thanks so much for nursing our baby. I mean, you tell a breastfeeding parent that that's going to go a long way because breastfeeding is like quite an endeavor. I mean, it's, it's labor, you know? And so expressing appreciation of it immediately makes another partner want to lean in, right. You know, um, and get closer. Whereas like not saying anything about it, it's such a, that's a loss for the relationship. It's a loss of connection. Um, and it leads to that state that, you know, people find themselves in like in their own bunkers, you know, Um, not necessarily fighting, but not connecting. I think that happens like a lot in early parenthood. It's not necessarily, I mean, there is certainly enough there, you know, I've seen enough conflict in early parenthood with the couples that I work with, but I've also seen that other phenomenon where there's just like not connection happening. It's all like a negotiation about the kid. It's not really about the two people as these like delightful people that they fell in love with. They're they they've lost that um, connection,
0: right? I've heard them um, talk about it either as roommates or as like um, project managers for their kids' activities or things to do, things like that. That's often what people come and talking about, and just feeling really disconnected. Yeah. Any yeah, other? Yeah, so ideas? one way
1: to start that is like those yeah attending the transition transitional moments. Um any kind of gestures, you know um like you were saying, put they like they're little, but they do go a long way and like you collect them um it's so important
0: yeah
1: and then of course, yeah
0: go ahead
1: we keep we keep doing it. it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> um. Of course, if you don't have anything like authentic that's coming to mind about your partner, um, a long hug where your bellies are touching and you staying embraced until you can feel your body and your partner's body relax. That's a very low, de- like low demanding way to start connecting to kind of change from being roommates to remembering that we are once lovers. Um, just having that kind of physical contact and the bellies connecting, uh, does signal signal like to the nervous system to calm down.
0: Right. And we're talking about nurturing touch here, not touch that leads to sex. We're talking about like, it could, that was what the couple really wanted, but we're just talking about like nurturing, soothing touch with this hug. Is that, is that right?
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah, even if you're like exhausted at the end of the day, watching Netflix, holding hands or spooning on the couch, um, anything, any kind of touch like that is good, usually good for both people. Um, Their nervous systems like calm down and they have like that sense of intimacy, um, which could go to more physical intimacy, but it doesn't necessarily have to, you know, for it to be important.
0: Yeah. So if you had one piece of wisdom you could give to new parents who feel like they're just trying to survive parenthood right now what would you say to them well
1: one thing is it gets easier as children age <laughs> yeah and <laughs> your confidence grows as you do it more often um but my but honestly i think it would be invest in your partnership that person that you decided to build a family with is still gonna be your person, hopefully when you want your kids and you still wanna be reconnected to that person. And so it's really, I mean, it, I think it's in the best interest to the children to, to connect, but um, spend that time, get to know your partner again, get to know yourself again as parents. I think that that's really time well spent. Um, so investing in your partnerships would be something I would like do it, read the book, do couple therapy if you can afford or want to, you can do it preventatively. You do not have couple therapy. It does not have to be in a crisis. It can just be, I feel disconnected from my partner. My partner and I feel disconnected. And we don't know what to do about it. It's a great reason to go to couple therapy. In fact, um, It's way
0: easier when you're like just starting to feel disconnected than when it's been going on for years and years and years and you've got a foot out the door. It's, it's way easier when it's not that bad yet.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also this is so common in early par- um, parenthood resentment. Mm-hmm. Somebody's working harder or, you know, especially birthing partners. I mean, it's a uh, hard It's a big deal to give birth and it's a big deal to breastfeed. And so if you're noticing yourself feeling resentful, use that as a door. Use that as an opening. What need do you have that's not being met? What are you doing caretaking that you'd not feel like there's reciprocity there? Be curious about that. And find ways of of talking with your partner about it in a way that like they're not the problem they're not your enemy but you're like bringing to them this is a problem I notice I've been feeling resentful do you think we can talk about it Mm. I'm not entirely sure what's going on but I don't feel uh, I'm not not feeling great Mm. can you help me understand you know can we like figure this out together and then you're collaborating together on like the resentment is the problem not the partner? Is the problem?
0: Yeah, I you love know? that collaborative language. I loved how that stayed away from blaming, like this is because of you, because that's going to make your partner's hackles go up and them have a really hard time listening and not want to be engaged in that. But to say there's a problem here, here's how I'm feeling, can we talk about it? That's a lot more invitational. I mean, your partner still might be a little fearful if they hear you're feeling resentful, but that seems a bit more safe to go into and to try to explore together, especially if you're like using that we language that makes it more gentle to want to approach mm-hmm. and be like, okay, how can we solve this together as a team?
1: Yeah, and that's like putting the the principles of secure functioning into practice in that moment because secure functioning is like you are teammates. One teammate goes down, the team goes down, Yeah, you know? So if one teammate is going down and like feeling resentful of carrying a mental load or you know the things that do come up in early parenthood it's a problem for both teammates right um so you know you got to like figure out like what's going on with that um mm-hmm. and that might be many many conversations totally i'd say you might find a solution for today
0: so it sounds like this is mentality is like if it's a problem for you it's a problem for us and let's try to solve it together as opposed to you versus me
1: yeah you're the problem mm-hmm. nobody wants to be talked to like that no you know nobody nobody says oh i'm the problem let me help you out you <laughs> so know they don't, <laughs> <laughs> they don't. <laughs>
0: no
1: no um No, but, you know, it's hard, I think, like, you know, when you're feeling resentful or angry to not come in hot, you know, especially if you have like, you know, an anxious ambivalent attachment style, that's going to be, you're already prepared to not get your needs met. So you're just like coming in hot. Um, And the great thing about partnership is like, you can always redo it. Mm -hmm. I came in hot. I'm really sorry. I'm really upset about this and I don't know how to talk about it. I apologize, you know, repair. I mean that's that's such a big part of long-term partnership. Um yeah, apologizing and forgiving each other. And how great, you know, also modeling for your kids or your kid, we're we make mistakes in this family and that's okay. That's a nice message. You know, no one gets voted off the island cuz they came in hot or they acted cold you know, or they freaked out, you know, but they are accountable for that behavior. Yeah. They're still lovable.
0: Yeah. Oh, so much good stuff here. And we could make this a two, a two hour, 10 hour, you could make this, you could make this a whole course. Um, But Hey, that's why we have, <laughs> that's why she has a book on it, everyone. All right. So we talked about so many good things here from difficulties that you experience in early parenting to attachment to secure functioning, to having your needs be met, to little ways to connect so that you feel like partners again after little one comes. So there's so much great stuff here. If people are really enjoying what you're saying and resonating with it, where can they follow you, find you, learn more about your work?
1: Um, Come to my website, karahoppy.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram, karahoppy. And, um, yeah, shoot me an email. I teach, um, couples retreats and I have a clinical practice that via telehealth. I also do coaching specifically for parents, um, both for, and as a preventative thing before the baby bomb and then after the baby bomb.
0: So that'd be helpful. Um, your coaching, is it available internationally or just where you are?
1: No, it's international. It's because it's all into um you know via Zoom. So I coach yeah, I coach people um yeah, all over the world and and on an as needed basis.
0: Okay. Well, I will put all of those links to everything she just mentioned in the show notes, as well as like I said, the link to her book, Baby Bomb. Um Kara, thanks for the working cool. Oh, I just hit my microphone, everybody. Um thank you. Oh yeah it's okay yeah <laughs> we're both clicking on different things yeah. well I was just gonna say thanks for the work you're putting in the world sharing your personal journey your story your clinical expertise writing about it mm. um like it's, it's something so many people just struggle with and we all want to. we all get into a partnership thinking I hope this is going to work and then I hope mm. this little one is going to make things better or not like in this partnership i hope we can be roommates maybe get divorced and like oh crap now we have this kid we dreadfully have to stay together for and like i don't think anybody wants that we want that fairy tale ending but so many of us have no clue how to get it and your yeah. your book really gives us gives people some practical tools and steps for how to create that loving relationship that most of us have dreamed of and how to work together as a team once you get this little bundle of joy that is, you love so much. And at the same time poses so many new challenges in your life. So just appreciate your work and thanks for doing what you do.
1: Mm, Thanks, Amber, taking that in. So nice to be here with you. Thank you.
0: You're very welcome. Very, very welcome. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Amber Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couples therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.